The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Ewell, Deputy Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today. This week, as some of you already know, we're actually doing something a little different, connecting our daily shows with one theme. And what better topic these days to unite us all than AI? So in that spirit today, I want to talk about an area of AI that's been around for a lot longer than ChatGPT and generative AI, and that's autonomous driving. For years now, we've been talking about the arrival of self-driving cars. It always seems to be less than five years away. And yet here we are still waiting for the day when a car will pick us up, take us anywhere we want, and then drive away until we're ready to go home. To talk more about this, I'm joined by Barron's senior writer, Al Root, who knows the car industry better than any reporter I know. Al has covered Tesla, the electrification of Detroit, and our ongoing attempts at self-driving. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Hey, Al, welcome to Barron's Live. Hi, Alex. Thank you. And uh, you're... And Al, I'm actually, I think, you know, maybe this is a part, 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 to, part of our theme, but you're breaking up. Do you, um, do you want to try maybe taking off uh, using a different mic? All right. Well, while Al does that, um, I wanted to kick us off today kind of with a more, a more general topic around uh, self-driving and AI and, and around this never-ending wait I mentioned for autonom autonomous driving, because I think it actually tells us a lot more about AI in general. Um, so I've actually, I've personally covered this topic a good bit for Barron's. Uh, I hosted a nine episode season of our Readback podcast recently about all the fits and starts with self-driving. And, and I'm gonna be honest that that coverage of self-driving has actually made me overall a bit more of an AI skeptic. Uh, and here's why. Self-driving has continued to amaze us in little pieces. I personally was amazed the first time that I got in my Honda Pilot and it steered my family and I down the highway, it was sort of like an oh my God moment. This is a really big deal and it's life-changing. But the thing is that was almost eight years ago. And so now today we might be a little bit further along, we might be 90% of the way to full self-driving. But I think the key point is that the devil is in the details and self-driving just like other parts of AI really aren't gonna work until we're 100% of the way there. So, you know, we've all played with ChatGPT and generative AI and been amazed by, by its abilities, um, but it's not fully baked and we don't exactly know where it's going to take us. So we tend to extrapolate these experiences we have and, and think that, you know, a week later, it's just going to do everything we need. Uh, and I'm not quite sure that's the case. So, you know, that's part of why I wanted to use self-driving as an example of, um, of where we are more broadly in AI today. And hopefully we have uh, yeah. Al back, uh, back now. Al, are you there? Now I'm here. Can you hear me now? Oh, great. Okay, so Al, did you, um, oh, yeah. we, we talked a little bit about this. Tell me maybe, you and I have talked plenty about uh, self-driving in the past um, and you know some of my skepticism and I just mentioned yep. my skepticism around uh, AI more broadly. So tell me where I'm wrong, tell me why I'm wrong or, or, or tell me why I'm right. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you might be right. My computer, I'm now dialed in. Good old-fashioned technology. Don't How ironic. Uh, and then also, you missed my, my fantastic joke about saying thank you for uh, that intro and your Venmo payment is on the way. Oh, thank you. Now, um, so listen, you know, we do talk about AI and self-driving. I tend to be on the techno-optimist side of the world. Uh, but, you know, y you can't really argue with... Um, you know, this idea that it was or has been or even continues to be overhyped, overpromised, underdelivered. And, you know, that first, you know, the, the magical first DARPA grand challenge, right, with self-driving cars in the in the in the desert was almost 20 years ago. I think we're going to hit the 20th anniversary next year of the first DARPA challenge. So, you know, back in 04, we probably would have said, oh, yeah, this is a couple years away. Yeah. And I think I think what happens is, is to your point, you know, you go through this incredible hype cycle where, you know, uh, you know, it's new and, and it's going to be fantastic and everybody's focused on the potential. And then uh, you get on the other side of that and some of the hard work, uh, uh, you know, it's time to do the hard work and, and some of the excitement fades. The excitement never really seems to fade with self-driving, probably because of Elon Musk. But I think the industry, um, you know, is, is sort of arriving at the point where some of the technologies that enable self-driving have value and they can be added incrementally and even generate revenue incrementally. So it's kind of like, you know, self-driving 2.0, the more tame, reasonable version of it than, you know, when we thought we would all be not commuting by, you know, 2013 or something. I, I think that's a really important point, Al, because we've got into this sort of dynamic with self-driving now where people talk about how cool it is, the innovation of it, but we think of it as a safety um, hazard, right? And that there've been accidents with yeah. driving cars, but your point, and I think it's an important one, is that there are parts of self-driving when used kind of, um, just you know, not overall, but used uh, as a as an ingredient in the car, actually make a big difference in safety. Give us maybe give us a few examples of those. So this is a good point, right? Um, we you know ADAS, which is Advanced Driver you know Safety uh, Driver Assistance Systems, they're supposed to improve safety, right? It's it's just like anti lock brakes, it's just like airbags. Now it's a little different because you know the car is doing things for you. Nobody really argued that because I have an airbag now I can drive like a crazy person. Right. Um, but there's certainly the argument that now that the car is you know on on some autopilot mode that I can you know look down and text and you know you know what we should have done I should have uh, we should have done this call while I was like cruising down the highway with like uh, pilot assist in my wife's Volvo on and see if we could have pulled that off. Yeah, that's that uh, might not have been. Yeah. Yeah, might not have been the best idea. So it is a little more controversial. However, the idea is to improve safety. And so what is, you know, self-driving an amalgamation of? It's a lane keeping assist that's helped safety. It's automatic emergency braking. It's adaptive cruise control. Um, it's, uh, you know, blind spot monitoring and blind spot warnings. So all of these things are good. Yeah, yeah. And the, the the goal is to uh, improve safety, right? That's, and that's, you know, when people, when some of the times, you know, this is such a fraught area based on own, my own reader feedback, but sometimes, um, you know, safety investigations and recalls, it, it, it's so 
um, fraught, conflated, whatever word you want to use. But basically, the reason that you know NHTSA or anybody else uh, or the government lets these systems operate is because in a vacuum, and then practically speaking, they improve safety. You know, so if you were to say like, oh, I don't know, you got to take the Volvo Pilot Assist off. That's the one I use to to stay away from the Tesla example. You know, that would be a negative for the people driving that. It would make it less safe to drive down the highway because, you know, not for nothing. I'm not the greatest driver in the world. Occasionally, it saves me from doing something stupid. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's a really key point. Um, and I uh, I wonder to what degree, because now we're going to have to get to Tesla. There's no way to avoid it. I wonder to what degree oh, yeah. Tesla and what it calls its full self-driving mode is therefore hurting these safety efforts um, because full self-driving mode, as they call it, it's anything but in reality, but they do call it that. It's sold that way. Um, It's sort of setting up, it's sort of setting the industry up for failure from some, uh, in some ways. So first of all, tell us what full self-driving mode is, and it's a good way to get into Tesla. And I want to talk about the stock as well. And and how important yep. um, self-driving is financially uh, for for this for the company right now? Yeah, so Tesla has three driver assistance levels: autopilot, enhanced autopilot, and full self-driving. So all of the names indicate that you probably don't need to do anything. But you know, if in the fine print they are all very clear, you must pay attention 100% of the time. The full self-driving name. I mean, there's literally legal challenges uh, to it. It's you know, and, and I think one thing we both learned, Alex, is when, when Mr. Musk gets challenged, he tends to dig in his heels versus to say, okay, I see you have a point, we'll rename it. Right. So full self-driving is definitely like the goal, but it's not what it is by any stretch of the imagination right now. Um, but don't forget those three levels, right? Like autopilot comes on every car and that's sort of like your lane keeping assistant, everything. Enhanced autopilot will like make lane changes for you. And it will also, you know, you can be in a parking lot and it'll summon your car. That's pretty cool. And then if you pay 15,000 bucks and get the full self-driving uh, software, you know, in theory, the goal is that, you know, it will do your entire morning commute with limited intervention. So there's there's all different levels, but none of them are actually full self-driving. You know, they're training the FSD product with their own AI computers. And, you know, it's almost like a right of spring that uh, Elon will make the annual declaration that will be ready by the end of this the year. This is the year. And it, and, you know, yeah, and this is the year, and it never quite happens. Um, now, I don't. I think I went too explanatory, but to answer your question, I think it's probably, you know, it's kind of like the, the curse of, I guess, genius, right? I don't like the way they do it. I don't like the full self-driving name. I don't like how aggressively they market it. I don't necessarily think they're doing anything wrong, but I do think it works against the industry. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And um, you've talked to others in the industry. I mean, you've talked to Ford, you've talked to GM. What's their view on that? Do they kind of, are are they resentful of Tesla? Uh, Other than the fact that obviously Tesla is kind of beating them right now, but are they resentful of that? Do you think? So again, this is a good one because it's almost, it's like, it's more conflation, right? So on the self-driving thing, General Motors you know, owns Cruise, which is a robo-taxi service, right? A robo-taxi, you know, even more confusing. It basically is allowed to operate without a driver in several cities. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very expensive hardware, you know, limited, limited, more limited, uh, you know, what it can do, but it can get you around a city like San Francisco or Phoenix with no intervention fairly safely. Um, 
and so they own that and they have their ultra cruise product which like if you read if you took the name out of the the press releases and things full self-driving and ultra cruise from a strategy perspective sounds almost the same yeah, yeah and yeah. so and then you know gm slide deck they have you know ride hailing revenues projected in 2030 and all this sort of stuff so they definitely um whatever they whatever they say publicly they, they sort of align with with uh, tesla in terms of what the value potential is okay ford ford shut down its own self-driving effort called argo ai because it wasn't uh performing and they basically said you know what we got to do we got to basically just focus on adding these these things incrementally buying them from suppliers and just making cars safer and whoever wins will just adopt it down the road so everybody sees the potential um you know, I would call Ford in, uh, uh, you know, lower level in terms of aggression, GM, you know, number two, and then Tesla, the most aggressive, but okay. make no mistake, like the industry wants to adopt these technologies because for two reasons, they think that they can sell them and they think they can sell them on sort of a, like a recurring basis. Like, you know, as every time full self-driving gets better is why you, you know, pay a subscription for it. You pay $15,000 for it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, they hope that they can generate sales for it. And then, of course, like if it turns out to work, you know, that would be a tremendous advantage for somebody who has it. Okay, got it. All right. So um, that's a really good explanation between the three, those three big uh, automakers there. Let's talk a little bit more about Tesla um, as a stock, as a business. So the company's now worth about $800 billion. Um, Yes. How much of that market value do you think? is tied up in, in autonomous driving and autonomy? Like how much is the market ascribing to autonomy right now for Tesla and, and their ability to get there? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And I always like to talk in terms of the unit of Toyotas. So Tesla is now basically three Toyotas. Um, in terms of market value. I, I, yeah, in terms of market value. Okay. It's, it's gone up, you know, like a, a Toyota in the last month. Okay. Uh, I think that basically, so, you know, I, I think it's a great question, and there's there's no, the, the answer is sort of alchemy. I think half of the value is ascribed to sort of AI and self-driving opportunities. So let's just divide it: 400 billion. So 400 billion for a car company would be more more than Toyota, but you know, Tesla's growing faster. Um, there is reasons and arguments to be made that it'll have better margins than traditional automakers in the long run. Um, you know, so you can maybe get to, you know, 300, 400 billion okay. for Tesla, the car company. So then that by definition leaves 400 for all the other stuff. Right. Tesla does stationary storage and solar roofs, but most of that value is autonomous driving. And then, you know, we were talking about this earlier. If you just look at what happened to NVIDIA after they had their blowout AI quarter, the stock's up about 40. Tesla is also up about 40. It's like these two are the only AI stocks in the market. So I look at that move and I say, oh, yeah, it's close to 50. So half of the value is AI. Got it. Right. Because so basically your, your, your point is that um, Tesla has gone up almost $400 billion since that NVIDIA announcement. So if you want to, using the market's math, assuming that's largely an AI bump, that, that's how you get to this idea that about $400 billion is AI related. That's yeah, that's the that's the simple way. Like there's always other stuff going on. Sure, but like, sure. you know, I think when we came in today, Tesla was up, oh gosh, I can't remember, like hundred and fifteen percent year to date or something like that. Yeah. And then like it's been up like fifty percent in the last few weeks. So like, yeah, mostly half of that is probably AI. Okay. No, I mean I think it's as good a way as any to look at it. All right. So we have a lot of questions. Um, but I have a few more questions for you before we get yep. to them. Um 
So we've talked about Tesla, you've talked about GM and Ford a little bit. When it comes to self-driving specifically, there are some other stocks out there, right? I mean, what what are yeah. they and are any of them promising right now? So the short answer is, of course, some have to be promising. You know, can't and not everything has to be a disaster. They've all been disappointing. Okay. So there's like commercial self-driving things like Too Simple. There's all the LiDAR producers. Now, LiDAR is like laser-based radar. It's like eyes for self-driving cars. Um, uh, there's six or seven that, that merged with SPACs to, to raise capital in 2020 when that was really easy and everything was very popular. None of those have really performed. None of those are close to their highs or even close to that $10 SPAC merger price. And that's companies, the large, those are company, those yeah. SPAC ones are like Lucid and Rivian? Uh, not from a self-driving perspective. Those LiDAR companies are all like Ouster, AI, um, Luminar Technologies is the Got biggest it, one, right. Innoviz. Got it. Right. So Luminar Technologies is like 85% of the entire market cap of LiDAR companies now. And it and it actually has sales. It's generating like 40 million in sales. And, and you know, they've signed lots of deals with automakers to adopt LiDAR. Okay. But if you take a look at Luminar, so that's like the one that you would, and, and all of these, none of these make money. So the one that is like, so Luminar's goal is to make positive gross profits by the end of the year. So that's the kind of investment it is. It's a little speculative, right? Okay. But um, uh, you know, they are they are the relative winner in automotive lidar. And then if you look at look at their business and the early business, it's like Volvo, Mercedes. They're putting lidars on cars, you know, to make them safer. So you could, you know, the automatic emergency braking is more effective. Um, you know what about all this discussion? Austin Russell, the CEO of of uh, Luminar, who also just bought Forbes, by the way. Yeah. Talk about that for a while. Uh, you know, he said something that was interesting to me about this whole safety issue. He said, like, a terrible, you know, driver assistance or, or lousy automatic emergency braking, you know, that, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not very smart or whatever, is yeah. better than no automatic emergency braking at all. Right. So that's an industry supplier basically saying, listen, it's better to have something than nothing. Okay. But, you know, like a LIDAR enabled or a smart automatic emergency braking system is way better than a dumb one. Got it. So that's sort of like how he sells his business to automakers. Okay. And Luminar, for people who don't know it, ticker symbol is L-A-Z-R. Um, Laser. Very clever. Very clever. Um, okay. So those are a few names. Um, I, let's, let's, I don't want to talk about this, this for too long. I don't want to dwell on it, but I do think it's interesting. You, we, you mentioned LIDAR. Here's another area where Elon Musk has sort of thrown a wrench in things because yeah. While, while most of the industry that's trying to get to self-driving believes in this idea of LIDAR, which is essentially like enhanced radar, really smart radar, right? Elon Musk yep. does not want anything to do with LIDAR, and he just wants to use, if I understand it right, cameras on his cars that basically then have brains that can interpret what the cameras are looking at. So it's sort of yep. LIDAR mapping where you're actually physically mapping the road ahead versus the Musk approach, which is give me a camera and my computers and my AI will tell you what's ahead. Um, yeah. why, is this important? Is this a distraction? This sort of uh, the way to think about self-driving? Well, I think uh, two things. One is I think it's a, it's a it's a distraction because and Pierre Farago at New Street New Street Research and he's very bullish on um, Tesla. However, you know part of I think the lidar discussion is Musk is uh, cheap. Right. I think he wants to be low cost and LIDAR is very expensive. Okay. So like if you could give him like a 50 cent LIDAR sensor, I, I, it's not 50 cents, but he would be happy to adopt it or start to adopt it. Right. It. But in the absence of 
of cost-effective solutions, you know, his statement is uh, humans drive with eyes and a brain. My car can drive with eyes and a brain, optical mm-hmm. eyes, right? And everybody, everybody else, you know, is giving the car multiple sets of eyes, LIDAR, ultrasound, and cameras. So it really is what, how many eyes does your car need to have? That's sort of like the debate. But that'll evolve over time, right? Like there's nothing that says you can't put LiDAR on a Tesla. The issue will be that's extra software to make sure the LiDAR sees what the camera sees and doesn't conflict. When he took ultrasound, like so Musk took ultrasonic sensors, or it might have taken radar. Anyway, he took a sensor off his cars because he basically said trying to make sure that the cameras jive with what the ultrasound or what the radar says it's seeing is too hard. And the cameras are too good. So I'm just getting rid of it. Okay. So, and just so when we talk about cameras on self-driving cars, basically though, what you're, you're then relying on AI software to interpret everything that the camera is seeing, right? That's kind of the the middle step. If I'm, if I, is that, is that a good way to think about it? Yeah. Yeah. But same for LiDAR, right? Same for LiDAR, same for, same for radar. I mean, you know, all these little dot plots, they call them or, or, or dot whatever's you know you still got it the 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 computer inside the car still needs to know that's like a person that's a bike that's a truck that's a sign got it got it it. so that that is that is the internet and actually alex to your point it's this great software hardware debate all of the money is in the software to interpret right the sensors are just the sensors you get big cameras you get big lidars you get radars you put whatever the heck you want on a car but you need something and that's where Tesla is an AI play, right? They got all these computers crunching all this data. And then that's where, when we bring it back to NVIDIA, NVIDIA is coming in there because their chips are driving the computers running the software. Is that is that a good way to think about it? Yeah. I mean, and you know this better than I, but everybody says, like, when all this happened, that, like, NVIDIA's lead in the kind of compute and middleware, again, you're going to have to interject, is so far ahead of everybody else that they're just dominating. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right, let's um, let's take a few questions. Um, Someone, and, and this is important. It's a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's worth um, it's worth addressing. Uh, one of our listeners asked, "What's the difference between Lucid, Tesla, and Ford electric vehicles?" Um, let's just do that kind of quickly. Uh, it relates okay. to self driving, but I, you know, I think it's it's important. Just maybe give a quick yeah. answer on that one. I know you say quickly because you know how long I can talk about electric vehicles. I've driven, I think I'm up to 18. I've driven them all. Okay. That's, that's part of the job. The easiest way to put it is a Tesla is like an Apple and everything else is like a PC. It's 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 a weird way to put it, but it is absolutely uh, the case. Uh, Tesla's, uh, and then so in general, uh, if you're inside of a, a Ford, it looks like a Ford. It just has an electric motor. If you're inside a Tesla, it's a little different, a little different feel, a little different setup. Most of the controls are on on the on a touchpad, you know, in a Ford, there's knobs and things like this. All electric vehicles have better torque, better initial acceleration. Those electric motors really push you quickly. Yeah. Um, they're quiet, they're smooth. So this is all you know, that's pretty ubiquitous in terms of drive quality. The way the cars are set up is a little bit by manufacturer, and then it becomes horses for courses. Um uh, and then it's really just how much you're paying, right? Like the Lucid, which we've driven, it has a thousand horsepower, which is enough to make you feel like you're on a roller coaster. Yeah, and yeah. it's quite lovely inside because it's 180 grand. Right. Uh, you know, a Tesla Model Three is quite nice inside, but it's very sparse. But the car's only 40. So then it just becomes, uh, what do you like? Okay. No, I think the Mac PC debate uh, and 
analogy too is a great one. Okay, uh, another question. I think this is a really interesting one because it's coming from a listener who says, as a Tesla Model X owner with full self-driving installed and a senior citizen who will need this feature, I use it daily and see that it, it is a very good tool for the elderly. My question is, mm -hmm. do you think federal regulators will allow people to use this feature as standard in all, as a standard in all electric vehicles? And so that gets so, to the question about regulation. I think that's kind of the, the what's worth talking about. So this is a good jumping off point for regulators. So if you go, so first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. In my experience as a reporter, they are the best agency for talking to you. They'll talk to you. They'll tell you whatever you want to know. Okay. So way to go, NHTSA. They, they're, they're cascade. All of these technologies are useful and improve safety. Point number two, we need a lot of data to make sure we're not doing anything stupid. Point number three, every automaker has to send us all the data all the time that they have on any of these accidents. This is where it starts to get confusing because Tesla is the only one by a factor of probably 100 uh, with a population of connected vehicles that tell them what's going on all the time. So Tesla reports 80% of the accidents because they're the only ones that know what's happened. This is absolutely factual. Ford and GM admit this and say, yeah, I mean, our cars aren't connected. We don't know what happened if, you know, somebody ran into a median with our driver assistance system on. Tesla always knows. So, you know, there's that, there's that. Now, will it be this idea of will it be standard? Will they let it happen? It's going to be on your car like you have already, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, FSD user. Uh, so you can always use it. Now, you're going to have to, as if it was today, you know, you still have to be qualified driver. You still have to keep your eyes on the road 100% of the time. But, you know, all of the tasks that FSD does for you, you know, you can let it do. And then what we're, what, then this is what we're talking about with Alex today. Will it get to the point where you just are allowed to get in the car and not pay attention? Yeah. I mean, someday, uh, Alex and I sort of argue, I, I hope I'm not dead. I hope it's by the end of the decade. But uh, someday that'll be the case. But that's not the case today. And like, with respect to Mr. Moss, not the case in the next couple of years. Okay. And of course, regulators are going to play, I mean, they will play a huge role here, probably bigger than we realize. I mean, at some point, there's going to be the question, can you sell a car without a steering wheel? They'll, then there'll be the questions around, um, you know, inter interstate issues where state regulations um, conflict with yeah. each other. That what does the federal government then, then do? And then, of course, you also have insurance providers, who's at fault for an accident. I mean, it's almost like I've thought about a lot of these and it just it starts to make your 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 head hurt when you kind of try to figure out how one day we're going to get to a point where, you know, you have 50 percent self-driving cars on the road, 50 percent human drivers. How is that going to work? And how are you going to like how is this transition going to happen? I mean, it just, it, it's in some ways seems so impossible. I, you know, I'm not saying we're not going to get there, but um, the technology may ultimately even be the easy part. Right. So yeah. well, see, it, it's funny. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's funny you say that, right? Cause again, this is technical optimist out. It'll happen. Like, you know, so at the first time we actually have self-driving cars or maybe Tesla super successful, right? Like they'll only, only, you know, 1% of the cars on the road, will be self-driving. Right. So right. they'll all have to have, they'll all have to have steering wheels. 
I think, you know, from an insurance perspective, whoever owns them will have to have the insurance, whether that's a fleet or whether that's you. Yeah. Because don't re- remember, half of your insurance is to pay for the other guy's car that you just ran into. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, like, it'll just happen slowly. Like, we don't have to come up with the perfect framework right now. Right. That's that. I mean, and that's sort of a cheapo way to, to, to squirrel the debate. But like, I guess I guess I'm too relaxed. I'm like, yeah, you know, it'll happen because, you know, this comes up with commercial travel a lot. Right. With trucks. Well, we're going to throw two million truck drivers out of work. I mean, that's not the way it will happen. Right. Like if we were to solve if trucks were allowed to drive with those drivers right now. Right. You know, everybody would you know that the fleet would turn over in 20 years. Right. So that's at the soonest all the truck drivers could be out of work. And the other thing is what will end up happening initially is maybe trucks would be allowed to drive down highways alone mm-hmm. and then they'd have to pull off and then they would have to be driven around the city by somebody who knows how to drive like that. That is I mean, it'll be even longer before, you know, you take the truck drivers out of like these short haul routes. So yeah. then what you have is an evolving truck driver career instead of like going across country. Now you're sort of more tethered to a city. So, and, and that's just one example of like, in that process, if we were like had the technology today would be like 40 years long. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, you know, eh, eh, we'll be okay. <laughs> but that's my answer to everything, right? Eh, it's okay. Sometimes I know that drives you nuts. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, good perspective. All right. Well, a lot of good questions, even more coming in. So here's an interesting one that I actually think a lot about. Um, Deepak asks, uh, for your thoughts on the internal combustion engine to EV transition, and is are EVs mandatory for autonomous driving? In other words, are, are we going to ever have a, a self-driving uh, internal combustion car, or is there something about EVs that are required to make self-driving work? Fantastic question. Uh, no, you can stick to technology on anything. Right, you can get you can get all of your nice pilot assist features on gasoline powered cars, Volvos, Toyotas, whatever they sell. I believe what's Honda is called. Honda is called Honda Sensing. Uh, yeah, we got pilot assist from Volvo. We got Blue Cruise, Ultra Cruise. Those are all on regular car, regular cars. Okay. Um, now, some of the times we get confused because Tesla is sort of like a clean sheet automaker, right? Like they just started up. They had no legacy. They had no assets. You know, so they stuck an iPad on their dashboard. They were the first ones to do it. But but the the, the self driving technology is, can be taken wherever. Now there is more software. There tends to be more software controlling an electric vehicle than an internal combustion vehicle, right? Like the software controls how much battery power you use. The software controls brakes. All this sort of stuff. So it's a little more of like a software centric experience. But 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 uh, gasoline power cars are smart too. Right. It, there's no necessary. There, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know. You can't. They're 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 the two two parallel moving huge trends. I don't think either depends on the other. Okay. But practically speaking, if as an industry we're moving to almost entirely EV uh, cars, the reality is going to be that eventually, when we get a self-driving car, it's by that point we're we're probably all going to be in EVs anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we have, and this is another one of those debates I have with people all the time, you know, like EVs is a regulation, is it this, is it that? And I always say the same thing. EVs only win if they're better cars. Okay. And for certain applications, they're better cars because they're cheaper. People don't like wasting money. Yeah. And, but there's, but, you know, like if, if we have the most wildly wonderful, you know, Joe Biden's happy, everybody's happy, blue states are happy, you know, maybe 50% of EVs are, are, you know, sold a year as a percentage, like 50% EV penetration of U.S. new car sales by the end of the decade. 
like we're going to be selling a lot of gasoline powered engines, trucks, things to tow for a long time. Time to come. Yeah. Right. So like, and then 50%, like, like that's, you know, eight fold increase in seven years. So like the EV industry is happy. It doesn't mean cars are dead. Yeah. You know, it's just like, say, you know what? I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, eh, it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think it's it's really good perspective. Um, all right, next question. Um, Robert has a bit of a, a kind of a theoretical question. I like this. He says, "So, what is self driving? Is it solely incorporated within the auto, or does this concept sprawl into infrastructure such as smart roads, stoplight control, and stuff like that? If not contained just to the car, are there other industries that are going to be involved when it? And 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 how should kind of investors think about that?" I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot with this with this question. No, no. So, um, oh gosh, people are going to hate me by the end of this because it's your, your infrastructure has to get smarter. And like I say, it'll get smarter over time. You know how those 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 like lights that know when you pull up. Yeah. And it's yeah. late, so it just goes. That's like an induction coil under the street. Okay. Right. That's like some sort of magnetic or electronics thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we had to install those and cities install them and people are happy. But but yes, like LIDAR cameras, cameras in in stoplights, uh, you know, vehicle to infrastructure, you know, communication technology. When when there's enough stuff out there, the cars are going to have to figure out how to communicate with each other. All that stuff is coming and all that stuff has to come to make it like truly safe, perfect, nothing ever happened, self-driving. Right. So yeah. all of that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I but, one, know, like, one obvious one there, I'll probably, uh, at least the wireless companies would like you to believe this is, uh, is 5G, right? As you were talking about the, yeah. the need to communicate for cars to communicate with each other. Yeah. Right. Like, so I think that the population, so, you know, GM has OnStar and then there's cars that are like 5G enabled, but like the, the number of cars and I, I mean, we got to ask Nick and you, about what this means for the wireless network carriers, but absolutely like the population of us cars that are fully connected, like a hundred percent of the time, you know, probably 5 million, right, there's right. 250 million cars. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's, that's gotta go to like, that's gotta go to like 250. That happens over 20 years. I, I mean, I'm sure there's business for that for AT&T and that I don't know how all this gets paid for. Yeah. You know, no. Tesla owners pay 10 bucks a month for premium connectivity. Hmm. And that means you can stream like Netflix when you're in park and it does all of your software downloads. Um, so that's 10 bucks a month from say me to Tesla. And then Tesla, you know, has to maintain the network or pay somebody. Do we, know, do we, do we even know who Tesla, uh, do they use multiple networks? They have a partnership with any of the wireless providers. Do we know? Dang it. Now you just gave me a story idea. No, I don't know. Okay. All right. Cool. I don't know. That's a good question. But like, if you're in a Tesla, and the guy pays for premium connectivity. Uh, you have that little, you see the little bars in LTE, just like you have on your on your uh, phone. But I, I don't know who they pay. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> we have uh, one of our, our loyal listeners, Lee, is is basically uh, has asked us multiple times that he wants to uh, he wants your take on Tesla at uh, at today's price. Um, I'm going to give you the the right to bag off this answer if you don't want to talk about uh if you don't want to talk about it but do you want to give us your view on oh. Tesla stock right now no i love talking about tesla so i've said multiple times and and you know we can talk in past tense and there might be upcoming things to think about yes but um i've said that uh, like i i'm not short i'm not a tesla 
there by any stretch of the imagination. Most people think I'm way too positive. So that's number one. So I'm not like selling all Tesla. I always think that the argument for people should be, do I own a market weight in, like, do I own 3% of my portfolio in Tesla or 10% of my portfolio in Tesla? Kathy, what is it? 10, the S&P is two and a half or wherever it is. So let's use those as our balance. In, 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 In times like, and Tesla is also wildly volatile. You can do the math a number of ways, but it's three times as volatile as Apple. Okay, so it's three times as volatile as Apple. So you can use that to your advantage, depending on how aggressive you are. I am definitely sort of a trimmer seller. Now it's a market weight because, I mean, I mean this not pejoratively, but in the funny Canadian sense, like the stupid thing is doubled in a month. Like that's 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 a lot. And I think it's a lot of AI hype. So eh. so do I like Tesla? Do I think it's a core holding? Do I think EVs are the future? All those are true. Do I think it's the best EV stock? Yes, I do. But I would definitely be trimming here. Right. I said this to and Ben, who, who, you know, is my editor. Right. And we talk about this all the time. Like if a, if a stock goes up 100 percent and you sell half, you're back to your original stake. And now you can I don't know, you can buy yourself a steak dinner. Or you can go invest in something else. Like sometimes you just got to take what the market gives you. Yeah. So I am like moving to market weight in Tesla okay. mentally now okay. with the caveat. We don't sell. We don't buy ourselves stocks. Okay. All right. I think that's really um, that's really smart and a good way to think about it. Uh, we are almost out of time, Al. I'm going to hit you with one last question of my own. Um, I've asked people this question before. I might even have asked you this question before. But in addition to the, the driving um, space and industry, you also cover space. So I want you, I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask you to put kind of both of your, your space and your driving hats on now and tell us, are we going to get to Mars for, like, which will happen first, us landing on Mars or us having a truly full self-driving car? Oh, I love this question. You don't know how much I love this question. Um, it's embarrassing how much I love this question. So <laughs> Mars and the Earth have to get close together before we can get there, right? You just can't launch any year. Go look at your orbits. Actually, you can Google it. There's like, you know, you could literally see where Mars is and we are around the sun. Okay. So I don't think we can credibly get to Mars until like the late, 2030s it's just not close enough okay uh so that's a really geeky way to say i gotta believe we will have like the ability to not pay attention on our commute in the next 15 years or 10 years okay i'm i'm hoping i'm praying so i'll go with that okay but and i know we've talked about this you know what i i will like virtually guarantee like when you're in a traffic jam on 95 or going to florida with the kids and you want to pull your hair out we will have the technology where you can literally like stop paying attention and like take a nap and the car will wake you up if you're going like 15 miles an hour in bumper to bumper traffic. That will happen. Got it. And I'm hoping, Alex, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping full self-driving first. I I think we can all get, uh, get on board any sort of traffic beating um, scenarios. So that that's probably a pretty, uh, pretty popular thought. All right, Al, this was really interesting, really great. I feel like uh, I learned a lot more about the industry today. I hope our I hope our listeners did as well. So thank you so much for your time. And um, please join us again tomorrow for the last segment in our AI theme week. Mansion Global's Leslie Hendrickson is going to be leading the discussion about the demand for smart home technology and the concerns around privacy and the different ways that artificial intelligence is making everyday tasks at home more convenient. Thanks again, everyone. Yep. Thanks, Alex. See you guys. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.